Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Lighting Archive. Modern theatrical lighting is a unique art form whose history until now has been exceedingly difficult to study due to limited access to original lighting documents. The Lighting Archive website is developing a collection of actual plots, focus charts, and cue sheets from real shows. They will place an emphasis on historical productions and designers who have made an important contributions to the field. To learn more, go to thelightingarchive.org. This episode is also brought to you by the Archiving Technical Theater History Facebook page and online mentorship program. The mentorship program is an online avenue to connect, share, collaborate, and provide helpful assistance to students and teachers alike by putting them together through social media. If you wish to be a mentor or are looking for someone to be a mentor too, be sure to click on the mentorship link located on the main page. Lots of great people with experience in many different fields awaits you. Be sure to check us out on Facebook. My guests this week are both involved with the production arts. One is a designer, the other as a business entrepreneur, and are both final year students at the University of Trinidad and Tobago's National Academy for the Performing Arts. First, you'll hear my interview with Andrew Ennell. Andrew Ennell is a lighting designer, programmer, and of course, entrepreneur. While going to school at the University of Trinidad and Tobago, Andrew also works as part of the crew for the Southern Academy for the Performing Arts and as a local freelance lighting specialist. My second guest, Kieran Daniel Ferreira, is also a student at UTT, as well as a business entrepreneur, musician, and all-around freelance production artist. Both are well-spoken, articulate, and have visions and goals on what they want to achieve. Each of them have a similar goal to help not only foster the practice of good production skills, but also enhance the appreciation for the people who do it. Be sure to join in and listen to what they have to say. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. I'm sitting here with uh, lighting designer and programmer uh, and uh, soon-to-be graduate of uh, UTT, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Andrew Enno. Good evening, good evening. <laughs> and uh, we just wanted to do a quick catch-up with uh, how he was doing and uh, a little bit, because right now we're just kind of squeezing this in between classes. So, um, Andrew, uh, can you give the, the audience just kind of a quick uh, idea of uh, who you are, what you do. Okay, um, I, good evening. I am Andrew Enel, I'm 26 years old. I am currently a lighting technician at the Southern Academy for the Performing Arts, and I'm in my year four. I'm a year four student in the BFA Performing Arts program, basically. And uh, you, so you say you're a lighting technician. Where are you a lighting technician at? Um, at SAPA. So that's the Southern Academy for the Performing Arts, a theater based in um, South San Fernando. Um, we basically is the 
little brother to Napa, where the campus is currently situated. So Napa is actually the the National Academy for the Performing Arts. Yes. So, um, how did you get started down in uh, at, down in Sapa? Um, I started off as a stage technician, um, wanting an uh, opportunity to work somewhere. My drama teacher sent in a resume when they had openings mm-hmm. for me, and then I went, uh, got through as a stage technician, and then from there, I dabbled a bit in while other stuff was going on so while we were doing state stuff and props were already set out or we finished mopping and lights were setting up or sound was setting up i used to be around just seeing what was going on and then from there a friend of mine just introduced me gradually into lighting so i started off basically just focusing lights, then started going on the board and just pulling up stuff. And then from there, my interest sparked. So you really started from the ground up. So you had no background in it. It was just... None whatsoever. You, uh, you found yourself getting a job and then being around the, the, the venue there. And they just encouraged you to, to keep coming back and participating? Um, well, we were... On a daily basis, if it have shoes, well, it's not much for stage to do. Mm-hmm. So, and then lighting department was short-staffed also too. So they, they were happy to have a helping hand around. Mm-hmm. Even if I wasn't qualified, qualified. It's not like they're putting me in a place where um, if I plug in something wrong, it explodes. It's simple, general stuff we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then from there, at basically took it to the next level as in wanting to know more because to me that was a whole new world I I didn't think that the theater industry would have been big as it is currently I never thought that would have been a career path for me so outside of of working at the the venue Mm -hmm. did you start to work on uh, outside events like um, you know parties and and weddings and things like that or something a little bit more yes um while while helping out the lighting department um i got in contact with a lot of people in the industry who is either they had their own equipment or they would go to do maybe designs for themselves which i could uh, tag along with and then from there getting to have a bit of experience outside so i was getting the best of both worlds in an enclosed space and a outdoor environment mm-hmm. so there was a lot of learning taking place for me and for me i was greatly appreciative to all the opportunities that people reached out because with my willingness to learn and try to achieve more for myself it helped them in a sense so is that it helped with a guy with his business knowing that okay he has somebody who willing to learn and learning quickly mm-hmm. and could go on a job and handle something for me while i go somewhere else or it could be me just helping out a friend with a job who was getting 
maybe in a tricky situation. Mm-hmm. So, to me, lighting right now is basically everything I should say. It's kind of like it, it consumes your, your yes, everything. Yes, I eat, breathe, sleep, dream, <laughs> lights. Well, well, it's interesting because one of the, the, the interesting uh, 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 kind of things that happens down here is you have a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks, as you say, have their own equipment and are doing DJ and lights or DJ and yeah. other things. Um, when you got the opportunity to work in both worlds in not only in a, in a venue but also um uh you know going to wherever the the party may be or mm-hmm. the event may be what uh what did you what did you take away from it what what uh what like positive things did you take away from it? and to follow up what would be some of the the things that you said i don't really want to do that <laughs> um the positives is that each each event was a new challenge. Each mm. event wasn't always straightforward. It was, is either you bouncing up power issue, data issue, even issue with dealing with people on the whole. Um, so for me, it was okay. My main objective is to make sure the show happens, likewise. So whatever problem arises, it needs to be overcome in a timely manner mm-hmm. to make sure the show goes on. So from learning how to troubleshoot on the fly to learn how to program on the fly, because there are instances where clients, they don't tell you what they want mm-hmm. up front and last minute come and demanding stuff. So it... it it was a bit of pressure, but it was good pressure that mm-hmm. could help build and grow. And for the follow-up question, there was a time where I would go on every every job. Mm-hmm. As crazy as it may be, as tight as it may be, I might have to work in south and the job would be up north. I used to be at it. So... Now, as I reach a certain stage in my life, I realize that uh, work don't die. <laughs> work don't die at all. So it makes no sense trying to run down every and everything. Okay. Now is is um at the point where I'm trying to be more conservative and choose and be selective in what I really want to do because, mm. as much as, it is fun going out to different new venues and mm-hmm. stuff I realized that now I had to take time for myself and see about my health because sometimes we'll be on the road hours driving mm-hmm. again focusing maybe where we are you don't get nothing proper to eat so you might be eating junk for for a whole day then the day after the year get much sleep so the, your body will break down after a while so now I reach the point where so I take time for myself and be selective in what I want to do in a sense. Who, uh, who, would you cons- who would you say right now was someone who gave you really good advice or was really helpful in kind of shaping the way that you started to approach uh, uh, lighting? Mm. Um, to be honest, 
I can give one person that, that I can give one person all that praise because at the end of the day, everyone who I ever got in contact with or, mm-hmm. or had the opportunity to work with or even have a conversation with Lightwise mm-hmm. helped um, helped with my growth in a okay. sense. So is from simple as a guy giving tips on how to focus to a guy saying and say, okay, this should be a conscious decision for you mm-hmm. to make to go forward if you want to grow. Everyone played a big part in who I am right now. How has, uh, how has the internet uh, affected uh, the way that you learn? Because nowadays, we don't necessarily, I mean, we, books are still valuable. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Uh, manuals are still valuable. But now with YouTube videos and, um, you know, all the, the breakdowns of how to, how to program or to do all sorts of various things, have you, do you find yourself taking advantage of a, a lot of, of those? Do you find that they um, give you a lot more uh, information than you thought you would normally have? Yes, the internet has been a big, big part in, in my learning process. From simple learning the console is concerned to even finding out about fixtures and maybe ways to enhance a space or just utilize the equipment that you have. The internet has played a big, big part. And why is that? Because I'm not limited to just local resources. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm basically at the world's grasp. So guy from the States could have a, a, a technique on how to focus a light or how to bench focus a light. And then someone from the Caribbean might have something similar. So is you have options, mm-hmm. a wide variety to choose from, but you need to be selective also because not all information that you get should be taken mm-hmm. just to run with. So I spend a lot of time looking, taking notes, and then cross-referencing after the fact and then putting it into my inventory in a sense. The... Uh with with where you are now, and you're almost you're about to to, to finish your your final year, uh, and you know you've got all this experience and this information. Where do you see this taking you? Do you want to travel abroad? Do you want to continue to work in this region, the Caribbean region? What what is it that uh, is is kind of on the horizon for you? Um, traveling is a must. Traveling for me is a must. It's, it's been a a, a long a lifelong dream to go out and see the world and experience more. And I'm grateful for the lighting aspect where I can go abroad as a designer, as a programmer, and just go there and learn, in a sense. Um, but apart from that, right now, I believe that I want to dig more into lighting to go forth and try to share the knowledge in a sense. Okay. Try to see where young ones coming up could have an idea, okay, this is a career part, not just lighting, but on the whole theater aspect, the technical theater aspect. Being a technician, being a either a stage tech, a lighting tech, or a song tech, even just using whatever skills you have 
to be in the industry, in okay. that sense. So I got, I got one last question mm-hmm. uh, before we have to get you over off to class. Um, do you think there's a Trini style of lighting? <laughs> that is a good question. That is a good question. We, what I can see though is that we are growing as an industry. We are making the links outside, bringing back new equipment, bringing back new designs, and we growing from having one type of straight on basic design for lights to being elaborate with moving heads, LED screens, pixel mapping. Mm -hmm. So we are growing, but I believe that we all need to come together and help each other to build the industry itself. So Trini style, you wouldn't say that style will just be a a standard across the board where lighting in Trinidad is concerned. So... Uh, in other words, the 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 level of of experience and exposure is is slowly growing, mm-hmm. and that with things coming into the country, because you had originally said um, the, the about resources, you know, that the, because of the internet, you know, you have greater resources in terms of the mm-hmm. information that you're coming out, but the resources of the the physical stuff is mm-hmm. is is where. It's kind of that's where the real work is is exactly. having to be done. Okay. Well, Andrew, uh, thank you for this quick interview. Um, I'm glad to catch you uh, between classes, <laughs> and uh, I wish you the the best in this in this school year. Yes, yes, I will. I will need that. <laughs> you'll you'll be great. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I have a guest here and I would like him to introduce himself. Hi, um, my name is Karan Daniel Ferreira. Uh-huh. I am a musician slash technical person. Technical person. <laughs> he's, he's, he's oversimplifying it because you do everything from stage management you do some sound. You've yes. done a little bit of lighting. Very much you've, so. Uh, you've hit all the bases. More or less. So, Even a little bit of dance at one point in time in my life. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> now, uh, uh, I asked you to, to come sit with me because you have an interesting story um, and about how you've, how you've been here and, and what you do. And I'm just gonna, I thought maybe this would be interesting to share with uh, the audience about how you got started in, from music and then gravitated yourself towards uh, the performing arts? Well, actually, I grew up in the performing arts. My dad was involved in performing arts. He, was an, he did acting, he, he wrote poems, he did monologues. My brother um, grew up in church, had church productions, Christmas productions. Mm-hmm. So I used to partake in these things, so I was very much involved in the arts. Um, alongside as well as doing music. Everybody in my family did music. Who doesn't play an instrument sings. So the, the performing arts has been very much active in my family. Right? Um, my journey to here, to this point in my life, actually began when I had a daughter and I started teaching music as a source of income. 
Mm. And in doing the registration for the school, I wanted a particular name. And they told me to get a particular name I need to have a degree. So I said, you know what? Okay, what's better? Just pursue it. Mm-hmm. So I started, I came to UTT to study music. Um, piano as my major, not knowing that we had theater design productions, which is the technical aspect of theater taking place in the same spot. I just was literally just a music school that offered musical instruments, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there again, my love for performing arts came mm-hmm. about. I did theater arts in CXE. Okay. So I, I actually had to act for my CXE exam. Okay. I also produced the audio tracks and lighting tracks for the for the e final performance which I did. Sure. So and I was really, really involved. So the so so this this, this all that you've you've seen here has been no surprise to you. Yeah, no surprise. Okay. So you you were trained as a, a classical piano? Like you were playing Beethoven and Bach or No. The I was trained theory. Okay. My piano playing abilities was by A. Okay. So I would listen to the songs and I tried to replay exactly what it is I heard. Mm-hmm. That is how I started playing piano. I was trained to play violin and I was trained to play drums. <laughs> so you it seems like you were destined to be in in some form of, of music performance, creative creative thing. Uh now you uh it's uh there are some folks that you see all around town like they're always doing something you know um so the other day i saw you uh, uh at the uh pan on the, pan avenue. On the avenue working with the with the sound uh the sound recording there how yeah. did you get involved with that um coming here to utt i connected with a lot of people because it was a space where you had a full theatrics light sound audio Mm-hmm. I mean, everything in one place. It was hard for me to remain focused just doing piano. Mm-hmm. So I started to mix and mingle with all the different departments, sound, audio, lighting. Again, I love each aspect of technical theater, okay. right? Um, the stage management. So because of this, I ended up linking up with Mr. Martin Raymond, who is the person in charge of the audio section of UTT, right? Um, and getting involved with them, you know, doing some of the courses, did audio and music for motion pictures, Pro Tools, Logic, and just being there, you know, realize I had an interest. Mm-hmm. I also had an interest in audio too as well, right? Um, and that's where that started off. So when they have different things or different events going on, they'll call and say, well, okay, we're going on Panani Avenue. I did, we did um, actually move around last year for Panorama when it wasn't season yeah, yeah, and yeah. did recordings for all the different bands so that's where that came about so i learned learned as we went along right i, I was just talking to uh, uh andrew uh, another fellow student and a lot of his experience was very is very similar to that where he just he kept showing up and they said well do you want to go do this and you want to go do that how do you feel that that's impacted your uh your the way that you learn as a matter of fact, that has drastically impacted the way that I learn because of the fact that um, almost all the exposure that I've gotten was because of that. The people that I met in within the industry, in networks that I have built, mm-hmm. the relationships that I've built, was all because of 
wanting to be there and just showing up. As a matter of fact, I volunteered for Carifesta and even doing stage management for Carifesta was literally just because I was nagging to just be there and I just showed up. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was uh, talking about focus. Like uh-huh. they're all, you know, it's like all these distractions or all these really wonderful opportunities. Now, as time has gone by and you've been here at the school, have you found yourself gravitating towards a particular field uh, or is it still just kind of like you want to do everything? It's shocking that you mentioned that, all right? Um, I have a love for business. Okay. And I have a crazy passion for management. And in turn and the bigger, I realize that the, there's a lack when it comes to the management of the arts in general, mm-hmm. right? I still love to play piano. I still love to play music. I love to compose. I still love to do audio work. I still love to do lighting. I love acting. Mm-hmm. I love, and it has branched out into just general arts, right? Now, what I'm doing is I'm allowing these loves, different passions, different desires to kind of help me get the exposure and the understanding as to what each field requires and what is needed to properly run or manage each field, right? So that when time comes, we could actually start putting things in place, start putting policies, if we had to help the government form policies. So actually, what I plan to, to further my studies in is in cultural management, okay. the politics of cultural management, um, just management of the arts. Um, actually have two companies that is designed to literally manage the arts. Okay. What, what, because you, you speak so passionately about it, what, uh, what do you think right now are the, the, the characteristics that are lacking in terms of management, uh, management here in Trinidad? Um, first thing first is policies. We can't do proper stuff because there isn't the proper infrastructure in place. Okay. To properly facilitate what needs to be done, right? And then the mindset of, of the people, music or the art is not in the culture of Trinidad and Tobago. As much as we have lots of cultural activities, mm-hmm. that is one thing. And if you realize, most of these things are very much seasonal. They come for one period and they go down. But in terms of the, the long-lasting striving, depending upon this particular thing as a source a viable source city economy we don't think music as that or we don't think the arts as that it's entertainment mm-hmm. but it's just that it's just entertainment so you mostly hear people say what are you what do you what do you do well i'm a dancer okay go get a real job i'm a, I'm a musician but okay go get a real job because to them is not a real job it's not something viable that i could bring in it's a sustainable income right Right, uh, there's this, this mindset that it's, it's just this thing that you do on the weekends, but, when, yeah. but during the week, it's, you do... You go you know, get a government job, eight to five. Or a bank, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, very much so. One of the, uh, there was a recent article uh, in the, I want to say it was the Newsday, where they did an interview for, uh, with uh, Mr. Albert Laveau of the Trinidad Theater Workshop. Uh-huh. And during Carafesta, they were supposed to have a discussion about the, the arts, the survivability of the arts, um, and there was very, very low attendance. And Mr. Laveau has been um, a champion of trying to get the arts more involved in the schools 
at the, the, the primary and the secondary level. Yeah. Um, is that something that uh, uh, you would like to... Because to, to, as you say, you talk about no infrastructure, things like that. Do you believe that's where it starts? Um, I think it actually starts in the home. People becoming, I don't want to say cultured, but understanding that the, the, the effects of the arts, the effect of free play, when a child is playing, because I mean, I, I spoke to somebody who is heavily involved in the education sector, mm-hmm. and they were saying that the, the government were discussing things like kids going to lessons from, from standard two. And my mom was like, that is crazy. And cussing on the lunchtime for people who in SE, who have to write SE. And as time go by, we, we focus a lot more on education, 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 study, 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 and we take out the play. Not understand that free play is what creativity and innovation comes out mm-hmm. of. When you see a child sit down there with his toy and he begins to use his toy that's supposed to function like a car as an airplane, that is being creative and innovative, right? right? So when you cut these things and you're literally cutting creativity short. Well, it's, it's interesting because there's... I, I, I don't know if this is the same as, as Trinidadian parents, but I know that from... U.S. parents tend to want to keep their kids involved in things, whether it's an after-school activity, a sport, um, lessons for something like that. Because the mindset is... is uh, uh, we just got to keep them busy because we don't want them to to sit around and, and do nothing. And there, at some point, there was this threshold that we crossed where um, we went from allowing the ability, as you say, to play mm-hmm. and just do stuff. And is it the, the the world has just gotten more dangerous? Is it because there's this inherent need to just, uh, uh, I don't know, keep kids out of trouble i mean what you you as a as a as a parent you know you have a, a, a slightly different view of this i mean uh, as you're raising your 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 children i mean what uh what do what do you are you the type that again wants them to play or do you want to keep them busy i want my daughter to play okay i want her to play as much as she possibly can Mm-hmm. and enjoy playing. Become creative mm-hmm. while playing. I mean, the sky's the limit because we could only reach as far as we imagine. And if all you could imagine is exactly what it will looks like in reality, then we reach nowhere. Mm-hmm. We get nothing done. If I can imagine beyond, then a whole world of possibilities open up for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just simply the same thing in terms of the creative arts. If I could imagine transforming an economy in the field of creative arts and, and really allow my mind to just explore all possibilities, looking at models of what exactly, what actually exists, mm-hmm. but then also coming up with, I don't want to say fantasy, but a, a very, you know, wow fantasy of, okay, what could possibly be? Then somewhere between the fantasy and what is real, mm-hmm. I find a line that I can actually border across, and it could actually happen. Okay, so what 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 do you feel is uh, underappreciated in the in the arts? I mean, other than the, the the performers themselves, which seem to have a hard time, you know, 
getting kind of the credit that they do. But what else do you feel is kind of underappreciated about, about the creative arts? Everything. Everything? Everything. Because I would tell you why it's everything. As a musician, we feel like we're not as important as the person who's singing, who's a vocalist, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, we accompany them. We make them sound good. We create all the, all the enhancements and the environment for them to actually perform well, right? But this is on a music spectrum. When it comes to stage management, the, the stage manager probably gets some little recognition, but the team itself really mm-hmm. not recognized at all. Right. And that in itself is like, okay, the actors are more important than the stage management team. But then in each aspect of the field, you're going to hear everybody saying that they don't feel appreciated, mm-hmm. they don't feel welcome, they don't feel recognized. And it's just like, unless you probably make it big, then people don't see you as anything. And it's just that. And as I say, probably whole, all the arts, people in, in different arts, mm-hmm. will probably feel like, I'm not recognized, I'm not, I'm not appreciated, I'm not welcome, I'm not loved. And I, I guess it probably just comes down to you, if other people just probably don't respect Mm-hmm. people in the arts as much as you would probably respect a lawyer or a, a, a accountant or, or somebody like sure. that. Well, the, there's, there is um, lots of uh, discussion over, over, over such a thing because I've, I've seen um, reports out of uh, the, the UK um, mm-hmm. through some of the online media. And I know through um, reading some of the stuff in, uh, um, I think it's Playbill and and other newspaper, U.S. newspapers, where there is a, um, uh, it's it's as though the the names on the marquee are what sell the sell sell a show. So if um, you know, uh, I don't know, Hugh Jackman is doing a, a musical. Mm-hmm. I mean, his name is over the title because he's he's what sells tickets, on on some level, you know. Um, but you know, everyone's name should be in the program. I I believe. What, what's happened is, is that some of the creative arts folks, the designers and things like that, their names don't even get in uh, you know, recognition. And that seems to be a growing, growing problem. Um, I'm not quite clear why. Um, I mean, they're, they're, someone has a, a reason for it. Um, but I don't think the underappreciated for the arts is uncommon. I think that's, that, that happens. That is common generators across your board. Yeah. Do you, what, how do you... How, how would you suggest that 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 changes? I mean, because if if we like, for example, teachers in primary school teachers and secondary school teachers around the world are criminally underpaid. Very much so. Because you know, for one reason or another, you know, that's just they don't put the money into it, which again blows my mind. Because you would think that you value education, and therefore you need to value the people who are teaching the education. Right. So. The, with with performance and theater, um, you know it's it's like I said. There's one thing about getting your name in the program, which makes you feel good, and it, and you know. Um, it, it's not a matter of making you feel good, and it's just a matter of giving honor to who honors you, right? And if it is that you work on something, then by all rights you should be acknowledged for your work. Mm-hmm. I mean, the person who creates a movie or who writes a book their name if it is I come and say oh we have this awesome book and it have awesome information in it but I don't state who's the author mm-hmm. then 
But in, in education system, you call that plagiarism when you take somebody else's work and claim it as yours. Very true. So, again, we have this thing of giving honor to honors due. Mm-hmm. If, if the government of a country does something, then we acknowledge the government for what they do. And if you do it for the government, then do it for the small man on the street, the average person mm-hmm. who does something nice and you acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. That, that eradicates a lot of that changes a lot of things it changes the way people think the way people respond to you as a person or, or as an institution as an organization or even as a ministry or government those little things go a long way mm-hmm. do you do you feel that there's uh, do you do you see diversity in the in the in the in the arts here in in terms of there's a, a, a certain amount of representation from a lot of different uh, backgrounds, a lot of different people, or do you feel like it? For example, one of the uh, one of the, the challenges with some of the design fields is like lighting design, for example, uh-huh. tends to be very male dominated, and uh, costume and wardrobe tends to be female female dominated. Very much so. And there's these issues where. You know, some of it is gender bias. Some of it is cultural. Like, oh, you know, only only boys aren't supposed to make clothes, for example. Yeah, and boys it, aren't which is ridiculous. To sew, boys aren't supposed to do makeup because these things are considered feminine. Right. So therefore, leave out for the females to do. Right. And I, how would you say we address some the diversity issue then? It's very much the same. Okay. <laughs> you see me how it was back then it's the same how it is now where it have certain jobs that males supposed to do uh-huh. and females not supposed to do like I have some most state managers that I know are female mm-hmm. they are the one or two that are male but most of them are female maybe it's because females are a little bit more organized than males who knows what the reason is but it's just not you see a lot more female state managers than you do see males, mm-hmm. right? Um, for music, and it's, it's kind of fair because now you have a rising up of males and females doing different things. It's just a matter of who is more skilled in whichever instrument that there is, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have female vocalists, you have male vocalists. They're all very much equal, sure. right? And you'll mostly find the, the gender bias and it's taken based in the technical aspect of theatre. And even for dance, in Trinidad and Tobago, guys mostly do hip-hop dancing. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see that guy doing ballet. And if a guy does ballet, it's like a stereotype, ooh, right. he's probably right. not straight, gender-wise. Right. And that actually was a big to-do uh, recently, where uh, a U.S. news anchor, you know, kind of chuckled at um, uh, the Prince Harry's or whoever's son mm-hmm. was doing ballet lessons, and I've known lots of little boys and little girls that their parents get them involved in it. There are professional athletes that have gone on to 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 do it because it helps with their coordination and things like Try that. Myself. If anyone says that uh, uh, this ain't ballet, you know. Oh, because ballet is easy. They're completely wrong. I've seen the feet and the, the hours. Ballet is not easy. No, it's not. And, it and, is not. And I think that's, that's, that's one of the bigger issues is that every, once, you, once you have like this saying that kind of dismisses, you know, the, the hard work or the effort or just the time that it takes to get really good at it, you marginalize it in such a way. I think that's where 
the bigger problem comes in because you know it's I'd like to see a, a you know big strong professional uh, athlete of some sort of some ilk okay you think you, you you're so tough okay let's see you be tough you know doing this where you're where you have to be weak and you have to yeah, not know the step yes right much so right the um, uh, uh, I don't want to take all your time because I know that uh, we're, we're kind of in between classes here. But um, just to kind of uh, bring, this, bring this around, where do you see the future of, of, of yourself in, in, in the next however many years? Are you starting a business? Are you, are you already in business? Well, or are you just, you're just uh, you're changing the world? I am changing or trying. I oh, know. There's no try. One person at a time, one step at a time. Okay. Right? I um I do have three companies. Two of them are management. One is general management in the business sector or the private sector. Mm-hmm. The other one is geared specifically for management in the entertainment sector. And the third one is an educational facility, a university. Right? Which is going to be off but which is actually offering technical theater and music. Okay. Right? As well as anything art-wise, graphics, designs, all these different things, even painting. Right? I personally see the need for a pure art school and one that is not run by the government but is privately owned. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think government tried to interfere too much with what takes place in the private sector mm-hmm. and it causes contamination so to have an institution that is separated apart from the government but have access to the government I think is really really needed because in Trinidad and Tobago I don't know if you notice but the the natural ability the raw ability for for not for art on the whole or things like cosmetology things like like painting drawing we are very very skilled when it comes to art and sports mm-hmm. like I had this idea growing up, why doesn't the ministry open a, a pure sports school that teaches sports in full, train professional athletes? Mm-hmm. We would actually reach really, really far mm-hmm. because everything that we attempt to do that was either any sports field. So uh, just to, just to kind of, I know you, we were talking about all the, the, the business aspects and the things that you wanted to do. Um, if people want to learn more about your business or support your business, um, are they are they still in the, the 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 thought stage? Have have any of them come to fruition? The businesses are actually registered. Um, they're still work in progress. Okay. Because as time go by, the vision just keeps expanding. Okay. Which is expected, right? Um. But yes, you can find information on Facebook about the, the music school. Okay. Sash University. Um, I'm still yet to update the page because it just recently turned into a university, to be honest. Okay. It was a music school all along. Okay. Right? Um, the, the Cake Central, which is the arts management company, mm-hmm. you wouldn't find information about it on Facebook, but you can contact me via Facebook Messenger or Facebook. Okay. Um, if you type in D-O-H-M-A-S-T-E-R, Do Master, on Facebook, you're going to find me. 
My okay. name is Karen Daniel Ferrer. Okay. You, could, you could also type that in as well. You, you're going to find me. Okay. And you could always send me a message, requesting information. We're always looking for people to work with because I believe in collaboration. I believe in networking. And no one person could do anything by themselves. Right? So, yeah. Great. So, the main way to find you is through Facebook? Facebook. Doughmaster, D-O-H-M-A-S-T-E-R. Yes, two words. Two words, two separate words. Or they can contact you via Facebook Messenger um, at Kiran Daniel, which is a hyphenated first name. Yes, Kiran hyphen Daniel Ferrer. Which is spelled F-E-R-R-E-I-R-E. E-I-R-A. Excellent. Well, Kiran, this has been immensely, immensely interesting. I look forward to another conversation with you as time goes on, and I wish you the best of success. No problem, Richard. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is listener-supported, so wherever you get it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast can be found on such platforms as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, we can be reached at archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's A-R-C-H-I-V-E-T-T-24 at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Archiving Technical Theater History. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.